1: Hello! Welcome to Facing Fate. I'm your game master, Russ Moore. Today's episode introduces some new characters, which we'll be using to fill out the last half of Lunacorp. this first season of Facing Fate. We hope you enjoy what we're doing, and if you do, we would greatly appreciate it if you could rate, review, and subscribe to Facing Fate, to make sure that you are not only the first one to hear new episodes and new stories, but to help spread the word and get us in front of more ears. If you share an episode to Twitter using the hashtag FacingFakeCast, we may use your name as a character in Season 2, which we are currently in the midst of planning and will begin recording later this month. But now, let's begin. Today's episode contains coarse language, frightening scenes, and descriptions of graphic violence. Fate, Season 1, Lunacorp, Day 5, Part 2. We open in dark chambers, flashing between rooms. We hear the soft sound of breathing and slight stirring in beds. A low blue illumination from under a door on the far side of a room is seen, And we see the face of Ash Mendoza who stares at his alarm that says 3.43 (laughs) a.m. Why? A few moments pass when suddenly he's jolted out of bed. A blaring, shrill alarm is heard. The lights in the room flash on and in an instant begin flashing in a pattern that you recognize as a call to assemble in the main hangar.
2: Oh man, this this must be this must be real serious.
1: We see now a small dormitory sized room. Ash jumps up, gets out of bed, and with military precision dresses in a dark black and gray combat suit that he pulled from his closet. <laughs> We flash between several more rooms and see more people snapping to attention with the same speed and accuracy before exiting their rooms, running down a long corridor. As the soldiers travel through the halls, they pass by medical wards and we see glimpses of rotting corpses on tables. Moving swiftly, they now enter a large hangar bay, falling into line They stand at attention as we see two people enter the hangar from the far side. Ash stands next to two of his fellow soldiers, Bianca St. Clair and Rosie Adams. The first person we see walk into the room on the far side is a woman approximately five feet, sporting a blonde short bob cut with bangs, a freshly pressed floral blouse, and lavender pencil skirt. As she approaches, we see that this woman is Gail Chkowski. At her side is a tall, imposing man. Sporting a clean crew cut, he has a hard, stern face that shows his experience through his leathery, scarred demeanor. Dressed in a similar combat suit, we see a rank insignia far above any of the other soldiers that we have seen previously. The two step forward and address the awaiting battalion of troops. Gale says, Soldiers, this isn't the first call most of you have had for a mission like this. We hoped to prevent another purge with the installation of the latest filtration system, but it appears, as was expected by General Robic, human error is usually to blame. Your mission is to travel to Lunacorp main base and clear the infected. We are uncertain how far the progression is, but from reports on base from Renia Samuth and transmissions from Dr. Joyner, it is spreading. Anyone who can be confirmed uninfected is to be brought back to Earth for further testing. If you can't be sure, or there is any question, the objective is to do a clean sweep of the base, at which point Project Delta will commence. Are there any questions?
3: Rosie raises her hand.
1: Gail looks towards Rosie.
3: What's Project Delta again?
1: Uh, The starting of a new main base off-site from Project Kappa, which is the one you're going to go clear. Right. right. Yes.
3: Just clarifying. Of course. You know, if one person asks it, ten other people are thinking it, so. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Thank you. Anyone else? As the room remains silent, General Roebuck steps forward and motions towards the awaiting ship and move out. Everyone moves to collect their gear and into the awaiting ships. Ash follows in behind. Bianca Saint Clair and Rosie Adams, along with their fellow crewmates.
0: As I head toward the transport, I like pop a pill in my mouth.
3: Uh, I do that thing that nobody likes when you put your head like so close over somebody else's shoulder and I say, got enough to share? Yeah, I don't think you can handle this. Ooh, challenge accepted.
1: Bianca St. Clair moves up to the cockpit to meet her co-pilot, Tormud McKella.
0: Hey, Torm, how's it going?
1: Uh, well, aside from the fact that we have to go kill a bunch of people pretty, 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 pretty good.
0: Oh, man, they're not people anymore.
1: Yeah. Some of the, some of them might be, though, right?
0: That's no way to think about it. Uh,
1: fair, fair enough. Fair enough.
2: Uh, Ash is sitting there uh, with a butterfly knife, and he's, like, folding it in and out. You know, like those cool guys do in movies? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Are. That's what he's doing.
3: Rosie is all strapped in, and taking apart and putting together her sidearm, whatever kind of gun she has, <laughs> her rifle space gun. future guns, yeah, it's her space gun.
2: What kind of gun is it?
3: I don't know, an M forty-seven A.
2: Oh dang, not the forty-seven A.
3: Yeah, the forty-seven A. <gasps> that's the one with the extra long stock.
2: Yep, that's the one. And and you that's have to the lock A. it.
3: And at the end, when I'm done, there are two smoking barrels. Pretty sick.
1: From across the way, Ash, uh, Serena, who you know, she's a, uh, an equal in your training. She looks at you. You going you gonna to play with that the whole way? Uh, do you have anything better to pass the time? You could You could not have a blade out when we take off.
2: Has anyone ever got hurt when I've been doing this before? It's always, always a first, Ash. Always a first. I don't make mistakes. All right.
3: I, I lean over to Ash and I said, You should have said your mom.
2: You're right, Rosie. That would have been better. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that under advisement for next time. You know,
3: if you have anything better to do. Your mom.
1: Yeah.
2: You two are great. It's, you're just... Meant for
1: each other. Yeah, it's gonna be real good. Remind me to split up when we when we get there.
3: <laughs> I'm going for like she wants to be part of the the gang. Nobody probably really likes her. She says things. She gets too close. But when it comes down to the shooting, she's all business.
2: Rosie, when are you gonna uh, when are you gonna ditch that gun and just go with the knives like me?
3: I don't know. Probably never because. Guns are awesome, and knives are for pussies.
2: I mean, hard disagree.
3: I'd like to see you hit someone with that knife from 200 feet away.
2: I'll show you on the base.
3: Aerodynamically impossible, but okay, I look forward to
1: seeing it.
2: It's going to be in airlocks and stuff. It'll be fine.
1: Up in the cockpit, Bianca, you get uh, word that it's clear to take off.
0: I'm picturing, like, a big transport, so Tormund and I are, like, in a separate room, or is it, like, open to the back?
1: It's more open to the back. I picture it kind of like the Avengers planes. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. And how many people are on the
3: plane?
1: There would be six. Okay. Six total. So Six total. Yeah. Okay. So to two in so
3: front and the four of us in the back. You betcha. Cool. Okay.
0: Okay, everybody, hold on to your asses. And we start to take off? Or is this a rocket we're launching? I'm unsure about how space you, you travel can. works in the you, future. You tell me how it takes off. Okay, well, maybe it's the future. So maybe we take off like a plane, but then once we take off, we go, straight up in the air.
1: I like it. As you all have been through this many times before the rocket easily takes off and then launches itself up straight towards space after a while you uh, look over and you see your medic Nash Harrison has fallen asleep hey
3: someone draw a dick on his face
1: why you always gotta draw dicks on people's faces
3: I've only I'd done it once before you still have heard about that?
1: yeah I didn't like it Mostly because you did it in, like, some super weird, like, permanent shit, and it was on there for almost a year. Yeah,
3: it was a marker used to label the pieces of equipment outside of the <laughs> spacecraft. That shit almost never comes off.
1: <sighs> we flash between the faces of all of the crewmates aboard the rocket going to the moon base, and we stop on Bianca St. Clair, who's deep in thought at the moment.
0: Well, that mess I took made me hyper-focused, so... <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> we see Bianca sitting in a classroom out on a tarmac. She's surrounded by let's say, 20 classmates you can put together. There's a instructor up at the front drawing diagrams on a on a blackboard explaining uh, terminal velocity and other flight things when uh, from behind Bianca catches a balled up piece of paper in the back of the head
0: and I jump up and turn around and say who the fuck threw that and like look around at the people behind me who threw it?
1: Everyone's kind of just... They're, <laughs> they're um, holding back laughter, but not saying anything. Um, make a check.
0: Oh, Okay. Roll that dice. <laughs> We're all so excited. <laughs> uh,
1: maybe a, a alertness. Alertness would probably be good.
0: Okay. So I rolled my four die... And I got three pluses, plus I have a four. So that's seven.
1: You can easily see that um, Paul Stevenson is uh, looking like he's perhaps the guilty one.
0: Stevenson, you got something you need to talk to me about or?
1: I thought you might need some, some, some notes to keep track of, you know, what you're supposed to be doing up in the air.
0: Well, I think out of the two of us, I am not the one that needs any help up in the air.
1: There's a resounding, like, oh, (laughs) from the class.
0: (laughs) How's the teacher reacting to me just standing up and yelling at someone in the middle of class?
1: (laughs) The teacher has uh, stopped doing what they're doing, and is just kind of watching the interaction at this point.
0: Um, Is the teacher wearing a military uniform? Are we wearing military uniforms?
1: You t- You tell me, is this a, just a flight school, or is this a military flight school?
0: I guess it depends. If I'm very young, it could just be flight school general. Sure. But I would say if I am, like, 24 plus, then it is probably military.
1: How, how old are you?
0: I don't know. What fun this game is. Right? How right?
3: <laughs> old do you want to be?
0: Let's say... Okay, let's say young. So, like... Okay. I'm like 18.
1: So no, it's just a it's just a guy. He's got a bit of a beer belly. He's got one of those like leather jackets with the um, with like the, the wool around mm-hmm. the collar. Yeah.
0: Like a uh, so I'm the youngest person in this class, probably.
1: Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a few youngins in there who who are just you know trying to get their start. But yeah, you you are probably one of the youngest. Paul says, I could take you any day
0: oh my god okay how about today how about right now
1: (laughs) right right now
0: right now what do you want to do well what's what are the stakes what's the competition well how do I prove how much better than you I am
1: I mean we we could maybe talk about this after the teacher isn't looking at us
0: well, I don't know. You threw that paper at me. It seemed like it was important, and maybe needed to happen now.
1: All right. Well, maybe we, we races races after after this, huh? Now, after this class. What do you think about that?
0: I don't know. You you think your rental plane will be ready?
1: Yeah, it'll be ready.
0: All right. I'll pick between one of mine.
1: He sits down, very cowed. The instructor uh, clears his throat as you're staring down Paul. says, well, uh, if we can get back to the class now.
0: Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. And I turn around and sit down.
1: Thank you. St. Clair. Uh, teacher, you
2: forgot to assign homework?
1: Maxwell, shut up! I'll get there. For homework! We, uh... Flash forward to after class, you uh, go to your your plane and you see um, Paul. No,
0: I literally have two planes there.
1: Okay, well, I just just said you went to one of them. I don't know if they're parked side by side.
0: I have (laughs) I've already like built this whole thing in my mind. I like it. I would have been the worst rich person, FYI. (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna like come out, and I assume Paul is there with like. His plane. These are like our little planes. I'm assuming, like a little two seater plane. What's probably? the
2: jalopy equivalent of an airplane?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jalairplane.
1: <gasps> oh, yeah. Um Yeah, he's 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 got his plane out there. He has a uh, a Piper Seneca. Okay. Which is a twin prop two seater.
3: Only seventy six cents.
1: Oh wait, no, that's point seven six million US. Oh, yeah.
3: yes. So that's, cool, in, so
1: I... that's in today's, you know, for inflation, that's, like, oh, six million dollars, obviously, right. by that point.
3: Which is just pennies to Bianca. Yep. I don't know. Hey.
1: I don't know if this is a good plane, but we're going with it. I like it. It's got 220 so, horsepower, so, you know, it's got to be okay.
0: Sounds good. So, I have two planes. I have one of those, but, like, nicer and brand newer than his. Naturally. And then I also have a Piaggio Avanti EFO, or sorry, EVO, which is the fastest turbo twin prop plane that exists, but... So I walk out and look between them, and then I'm like, hmm, and mime thinking, and then I get in the one that's the same as his.
1: Paul uh, sees you climb into yours, and he says, all right, let's do this, and he climbs into his and pulls the door shut and fires up the engine. Um, it's going to be like quarter mile style. Someone's going to be standing down at the end with... You know, it's going to be Maxwell. Maxwell's going to be standing down with a scarf down and at the end. And a crop top. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. You love it. <laughs> um, so you both take your positions out on the runway, and Maxwell gives the flag when he's ready. Okay. Um, and when you're ready, we're going to roll for eight... eight Flight, for speed. For vehicles, for something. Pilot. We're going to roll for pilot. Perfect.
3: Roll for pilot.
0: That's an eight.
1: The two planes take off from everybody watching. They take off much faster than they're supposed to and you see someone running out onto the tarmac to try and stop them from taking off, but they're much too slow, and these two planes fly up in the air, and how is Bianca trying to best Paul?
0: I think, like, I am very confident. So I think I am, I assume, yeah, we're going, like, straight ahead, like, first past the post wins, right? Right. So instead of just going straight, I'm going to, like, closer to him, just kind of trying, huh?
1: He um, sees you out of the corner of your eye, moving closer to him, uh, getting pretty close to his propeller, um, and he sees this and takes a hard right to get away from you. He corrects course and gets back on, and your two are racing to, we'll say, a mountain range, which is, you know, ahead of where the airport is.
0: I think i pull back hard on the throttle.
1: Uh, Yeah, Bianca pulls back hard on the throttle and then starts to go straight up.
3: Do a loop-de-loop. Be like taking your time, tricking.
0: (laughs) I don't want to do that because, you know what? Yeah, I do. I totally do. I was going to say, I don't want to do that because I don't know if she wins, but I don't think she'd care. She'd be so confident that she was going to win. Then, yeah, totally. She like pulls straight up in the air and then like starts to come down and they do that thing where like the engines cut And it's like quiet. And then they start up again, like finishes the loop and keeps flying
1: towards the mountains. I'm going to say Bianca does that. You you death drop towards, you get up ahead and then above where Paul is. And you death drop like, and you're going to collide with him. And just before you kick the throttle back on, he sees you and like nosedives to get out of the way and spirals and you see him lose control as you correct and make your way to the mountain range ahead of him. You kind of see through the side window as you turn to come back and he has ejected out into the field below and his plane has crashed.
0: So I'm going to swoop down real low beside him and just wave and keep going
1: and he's floating down in his parachute and you soar by him heading back to the hangar Um, and he kind of gets knocked off course and is blowing further away from where he needs to be
0: and I think it's great I'm delighted with this outcome
1: as you land your instructor and two military figures are standing waiting for you to step out of the plane
0: they get out did you see that? That was amazing, right?
1: Uh, the instructor clears his throat, and one of the uh, the figures says, Miss St. Clair, we need you to come with us.
0: Uh, okay. Who are you?
1: As you walk closer to him, you see uh, the symbol of an up-and-coming energy company. The symbol of Lunacorp they stand behind you and walk you without answering your question to a waiting vehicle.
3: Uh, In the transport, I'm just, like, taking apart my gun, putting it back together. Taking apart my gun, putting it back together. Taking apart my gun, and putting it back together.
1: Going through this monotonous just... You know, muscle it's memory. Yep, yeah. um, you begin thinking of a a time in your past.
3: Probably thinking about the man who taught me how to take a butter gut and put it back together. My dad.
1: You are in uh, your your home, your family's garage at home, doing this exactly, but not as precise as uh, you are currently. Your dad is standing over you, saying it's 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 okay. Just take your time. You don't need to do it as fast as humanly possible. You need to get it right first.
3: Well, yeah, but you're standing there with a stopwatch. It makes it kind of seem like speed is.
1: It's to judge improvement, not necessarily to, you know, stress you out in the moment.
3: Well, it's working. I take it apart and I put it back together slower and, like, annoyingly slow. I'm like, click, snap, turn. I don't know how to put a gun together. (laughs) And then I do the macarena.
2: (laughs) Wow.
1: I like your dance moves. Um, At least you didn't scratch up the cylinder on that one.
3: So... When can I actually use this thing?
1: Uh, I mean, as soon as you put it put it back together properly, we can go and do that right now.
3: I speed myself up and I put it together. Nice. And then I set it in front of him to inspect it.
1: He does so. Roll a weapons.
3: Roll a weapons.
1: Or me, 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 guns. Me, me, me. Roll a guns.
3: Roll a guns. All right, well, okay. I got this. Um, so it's just this one. So six.
1: He looks at it and he says, yeah, you did good. All right. Well, grab some ammunition and we'll, uh, we'll get going to the range.
3: I skip over to the, uh, locked cabinet and unlock it and take out a box of ammo. Skip back.
1: Uh, so you're putting, take what kind of weapon? Is it like a handgun or is it like a rifle or?
3: I think it's a rifle.
1: Uh, you and your your dad, you head down to a... He calls it a range, but it's more of a field. Right on a forest line where nobody goes.
3: I look at the end of the field on the fence post, and there are some cans that are set up there.
1: says, once you knock all those down, then we can, then we can go home.
3: Dinner's in like a half an hour.
1: How long is it going to take you to knock them down?
3: What if I run out of ammo?
1: Well, you might want to go pick it up. How much did you bring? A box? You should be fine.
3: All right. I load my gun. I lift the butt of the gun. I put it against my shoulder. I square myself up to the target. I look through the sight with both eyes open. And I slowly squeeze the trigger... While breathing out.
2: Sounds like good form to me.
3: Right? Mm -hmm. And is this the guns thing?
1: Yeah. Two. You take a long time kind of preparing yourself, deep breath. And as you exhale, you pull the trigger, it goes really wide. Hits a tree and you see birds kind of just fly up and scatter around. This is, uh.
3: Christ on a cracker!
1: That was, that was, uh, that was a good first try. A good first try. You might want to, uh, just relax. It's just, you know, those breaths that you were heavily taking, like it was like you were, like, trying to blow them down from here.
3: Would that count?
1: No. You'd have to go set them up. I mean, good on you, good lung control, but. No.
3: no. Okay, fine. I square myself up again. I take a slow, deep breath. Slowly. I got a two.
1: Well, I hope you brought uh, enough ammunition to, uh, to last us a little while. One more try. A five. On this one, you kind of take his criticism and you're getting a little fed up with it, but you, you manage to clear your mind, you take your shot, and you peg the middle can, clean off of the post.
3: <laughs>
1: Nicely done. Very good job. Thanks, Dad. All right. Clean up the other two and we'll be home. You hit the next one, no problem. And on the last one, as you hit it, your memory flashes to a more recent time. And you fire a gun and what looks like a person from behind turns and their face is melting off black veins gray skin and as the bullet hits the skull it explodes you look around as you are being surrounded by dozens of infected in this area and whoever you were with whatever group you were with is no longer within range of you shit
3: I quickly reload and I start taking out as many as I can to try to clear a path for myself.
1: Make a survival check. Four. You begin running and shooting with great accuracy. This is what you do. You you clear infected to make sure that they don't get to uh, larger populations. You trip on a root that's coming up and out of the ground. And
3: Sorry, where am I?
1: You are on Earth. Uh, you're in a forest near a, as far as you know, near a kind of a medium-sized populated center. And as you trip, um, a an infected comes out of the trees beside you, screaming and clawing in your direction. When Its head explodes right beside you, and your friend Peter comes quickly and picks you up and says, We gotta go. We gotta go now. No shit. He turns and he fires off as two more soldiers run by, and they're clearing these infected as you run and make it back to the transport unit.
3: Uh, As I stumble up and into the transport unit, I immediately throw up. It was the scariest and most upsetting thing that I'd ever seen.
1: Your commander comes up behind you and slaps you on the back and says, you're going to have to clean that up when we get back. Now keep it together. We got just a few more things to do before we get back.
3: I nod and wipe my mouth and throw a
1: towel
3: or a rag or whatever over top of it.
1: Get up on top and start clearing them out
3: climb up through the ladder to the crow's nest and um, station myself and take a quick survey of how many infected are coming toward and what area would be beneficial to start thinning them out first
1: You begin clearing them out and you see helicopters coming in and the, the, the horde for lack of a better term is thinning. There are a few soldiers still out clearing them as well You see some soldiers land in these helicopters, get out, and you see them hauling the the dead, infected bodies into the cargo unit of the helicopters.
3: Um, I yell down, looks like cleanup crew's already here.
1: You continue to clear the infected, and uh, your transport begins to pull away as you see that everything seems to be under control at this moment.
3: I, uh, lean back and take a moment and a deep breath as I watch the others hauling dead, gooey bodies. And I am, uh, momentarily thankful that, uh, that is not my job.
1: Your memory flashes back to you and your dad, and you've cleared the cans. He stands behind you and puts his hand on your shoulder and says... You're doing a great job. Thanks, Dad. Now let's go home. I'm starving. Back on the ship, we see Ash. Ash Mendoza. What's Ash doing at this very moment?
2: Uh, Ash has put away his butterfly knife. And he's just kind of uh, looking at the gun that Rosie's taking apart and putting back together with a bit of a look of disdain in his eyes.
1: That look begins to drift for you.
2: Where does it drift to? This is going to sound hilarious, but ninja school. (laughs) Like
3: Taekwondo or like straight up ninja school? Or amazing.
2: I mean, a little bit of both. Um, yeah, yeah. A preposterous thing to say, um, but basically, yeah, he uh, like a Tibetan monastery. Essentially, is where this look drifts off to.
3: Did you slap water a lot? I'm excited for this.
2: We're gonna find out. <laughs> I'm
3: ready. Sorry.
1: Um, so this is a place that you uh, you are visiting, or you had like uh, enrolled as the long as the wrong term. <laughs> I mean, attended a crash course at ninja school,
2: essentially. Okay,
1: cool. Um, so you are standing uh, in the middle of this monastery, and your master is standing in front of you. And he looks to you and says, What do you wish to accomplish
2: while you're here, young Ash? To, the, to be the best with the blade. Okay.
1: Why Why the blade? And why...
2: Why, why now? Well, I would have come sooner, but I couldn't gather the funds to get over here. Transport's <sighs> not exactly cheap these days.
1: That's fair. What are you protecting yourself from, though?
2: Oh, I'm not protecting myself from anything. I'm honing my abilities to do a little hunting. To hunt, so like, like game, like deer. Some would say the most dangerous game. He looks at you and he says,
1: "While you're here, we might teach you some self-control <laughs> before we complete your studies with the blade." He extends his hand to, I'm assuming you have a blade in your hand, but I could be wrong.
2: Yeah, I've got one of those, like, uh, I don't know exactly what they're called, but they're like the kind of three quarter length staffs, but they have a blade on the end of them. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, the ones you always see, like, the groups of dudes doing, like, their things in movies? Yeah, like the Foot Gang. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, anytime you can bring Ninja Turtles into this, I'm for it. I mean,
0: it's totally what I pictured too, is the Ninja (laughs) Turtles. Guess that's my go-to ninja reference—is the Ninja Turtle. Yeah, it
2: should be. What about your go-to ninja rap reference? <laughs>
1: it says, "Well, your your training will begin.
2: Uh, well, this very moment. Yeah, I've been very eagerly awaiting this.
1: Yes. He extends a hand, and in his hand is a pebble, and says." When you can take the pebble from my hand, you will be ready. What does this have to do with the blade? It's about control and
2: patience, the accuracy. Okay. Uh, when can I start? And as he says that, he throws his hand out to try and grab this pebble. Make an athletics check. Uh, that's a five.
1: You quickly snap your hand out. You feel your hand touch his, um, but as you, you pull it back, you open your hand and it's empty. And he has, in his hand, clenched. He opens it and the pebble is still here. And he says,
2: "'Now is not the time you just got here. "'Do you want to leave so soon?' I just thought if I could prove myself to you that we could stop with the lessons and we could get to the good stuff. All right.
1: He snaps his fingers and three other monks come out with uh, kendo sticks. He throws one to you and he says,
2: we will not start with blades, though. I mean, I think I'm ready, but if if that's what you decide...
1: For everyone's safety, perhaps we just see where you're at first.
2: Okay. Am I fighting all three at once? One at a time. What's happening here? Let's start with one, kind of Jackie Chan style, right? One at a time. Typical a ninja time. battle. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's make a check.
0: A ninja check?
2: I don't. I didn't give you did ninja skills. Did you have skills. ninja
0: on Ash's shape? So I
2: mean, Maybe. I've written it in in pencil, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> ninja? It counts. Um, we could say weapons or... F- probably not fists because you're using a weapon,
2: so probably weapons. Let's use a weapons roll. All right. That's my best one. Uh, one plus five is six.
1: One of the monks comes uh, close to you. You lash out at him. um, And he sidesteps, tripping you and slapping you on the back with his kendo stick. As you fall, tumble to the
2: ground. Ash gets back up and says, let's go again. We flash
1: forward in this memory... How long do you think you were there, and at what point do you think you left?
2: Like, the better part of two years. It was not as easy as Ash thought it was going to be. It's nearing the end
1: of that two years, and your, your master, for lack of a better term, do you want to give him a name?
2: Ooh. Sparrow. Master Sparrow.
0: I love this world,
2: Tom. Right? And me too. Well, I wanted him to go to like sword school, and I was like, "Well, ninja school is pretty close." <laughs> I'm on board with it. <laughs> they it's use fine. swords and stuff. Yep.
3: They sure do. Uh,
1: Master Sparrow is standing before you, and he is holding your blade in his hand, is sheathed, and he says, "I believe we're nearing the end. I mean, you still haven't stolen the pebble." And he holds it up. That fucking (laughs) pebble. (laughs) There's always time for that. He slips it into his hand. I'll get that pebble one day. He hands you the blade and says, uh, Happy birthday, Ash. Thank you, Sparrow. You hear from behind you the sound of the people who you've been sparring with for the better part of two years. They step forward and you hear their blades unsheathe says no one will kill you in this moment and we would hope that you would not do the same
2: I think over the two years I've learned that control you've been talking about and they wouldn't be able to kill me if they tried
1: confidence (laughs) is key humility
2: and being humble
1: is another lesson
2: for you Eh, I mean we'll work on that one later and I grab the sword from his hands and unsheath it and turn around
1: the three of them step forward, blades drawn, make a weapons roll.
2: Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's an eight. You
1: tell me what happens. It's a success um, with a shift of two. So you you did you did much better than they did.
2: Excellent. Uh, basically, it, it's really hard to even see what happened. Ash moves so fast, and his sword is just gleaming in the sun. Uh, but he only uses the flat of it to hit his opponents with. But he gets to the point where he's wrapped all of their knuckles, they've dropped their swords on the ground, and some various other hits on other body parts as well, just for good measure. Like where? Uh, Like the butt, Amy. <laughs> 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 but yeah, the dust kind of clears, and Ash as back to his opponents... They're on the ground, writhing around.
1: You hear Master Sparrow step forward. You turn to face him. He has in his hand the pebble.
2: I say, He's look over there. Flunk
3: out. <laughs> He's gonna <laughs> flunk at <laughs> a ninja school because he can't grab the goddamn pebble.
2: The goddamn pebble. Make I, Team the... Sparrow, does not look over there.
1: <laughs> uh, he does not look over there. But you may roll an Athletics, or a Deceit, if you want to try and get him to look over
2: there. (laughs) I'll roll Athletics. (laughs) Uh, That is... Four, five, six, five.
1: You, like the first day, you grab forward, you feel his hand in yours, um, and you pull your hand back. Both of you are holding your hands up in fists and Master Sparrow opens his to an empty
2: palm. Ash kind of gives like this, fuck yeah, under his breath.
1: (laughs) You open your palm and the pebble is inside. We flash back to the ship as we hear a alarm ringing and uh, the sound of Bianca St. Clair yelling back from the cockpit.
0: Get ready, ding-dongs, we're almost here.
1: With that, Tormund types in a sequence into the, the Dash computer, and it flashes with power disengaged, and you see the base come up online on the radar. As we see the ship careen towards... Lunacorp main base. Facing Fate, Season 1, Lunacorp, Day 5, Part 2. With your game master, Russ Moore, and players, Amy Moore, Carla Maxted, and Tom Laird. Production and sound design by Russ Moore. Theme music by Eli McElveen. The songs Mono Myth, 7, The Encounter, and Omega are by Scott Buckley of scottbuckley.com.au. All other music by Kevin MacLeod of incompetech.filmmusic.io. Artwork by Kessie Rillenicki. The game system used is Fate Core by Evil Hat Productions. Supporting producers are Gabriel Lynch, Joshua Dixon, Christian Brown, Devin Michaels, Kat Waterflame, and Jacob Madden. Follow and share episodes to your friends on Twitter, at Cast or Facebook.com slash FacingFateCast. Become a patron of Dumb Dragons Productions today to support Facing Fate, and hear the entire first season, as well as becoming the first to hear future seasons, and join monthly hangouts with the cast. Visit and join us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Cast. A Dumb Dragons Production.
0: fable and Folly network where fiction producers flourish from the team behind the award-winning best fiction horror podcast nightlight a new audio drama that brings the southern folklore of true blood and the cosmic horror of lovecraft country to your ears you don't hear that do you Afflicted is a tale of hoodoo, a demonic book bound in human flesh, and natural disasters that are anything but natural.
1: Which grave did you get the dirt from? Which grave?
3: Afflicted, a horror thriller audio drama,
0: coming this Halloween thanks to our Indiegogo supporters. Subscribe now to get notified the moment the first episode drops. It's it's been. Been.